All right, everyone, we're here again at Youth Nationals getting more bonus content. Uh, because Dallas was coaching Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he had to go back to work. So I'm on my own today, but we did end up getting another stud guest here who's here at uh, Youth Nationals. We're joined by Jesse Elser, who was here supporting his brother, who just took home a bronze medal. Uh, so that's another medal for the family because everyone will know Jesse is a star at Trinity Western. Uh, he's been a part of the Volleyball Canada program, going back to his youth days, won a 17U national championship with Canuck. Um, he won a beach national championship with Max Elgert. He beat friend of the show, Xander Kaczynski and Jack McBain in that one. I'm sure we'll hear more about it. Uh, and his brother, uh, Matthias just won the Pan, or excuse me, silver at the Pan Am Cup. So it, it's going in the family and he's off to Gatineau tomorrow. So we're lucky to get him before he leaves Toronto. So welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I guess we'll start with the obvious. What was it like watching Aaron play this weekend? I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate watching. It's so stressful. I, I I don't think I could ever be a coach for that reason. Like I feel like I have no control. I, I hate the strong work, but I I enjoy watching him play and watching him grow over the years. But I hate the feeling it gets me when it's twenty three, twenty three, and I can't do anything about it. I think that's what every parent goes through. Or at least if you're a coach, you might feel like you can make a timeout or call a sub, or at least feel like you're involved. But as a parent or a spectator, you're kind of just holding on, right? You're kind of hoping. Right? So. Oh, absolutely. I know. It's, yeah. So he's a part of a very special club. Canuck actually played each other in the semifinals, and then obviously one went on to win the, the gold medal, and the other went on to win the bronze. Yeah. Um, looking back at your club days, has the level changed at all? Like, what's going on in Calgary? How come there's all these boys like coming through that are just studs? It's actually funny you, you should say that. Last night, me and my teammate Maddox Greaves, who's also a Trinity, and his brothers, also my brother's team, we were watching our U16 highlight videos. And uh, I, I don't know. I think it's partly due... My dad thinks it's partly due to the FTC being in Calgary and those national team guys staying there, living there and having kids, that's partly do it. But I think it's just a big enough place with not as many club teams. So whereas Toronto might have, I don't know, how much clubs oh, in Toronto. Let's just call it easy. There might be just under a dozen, right? Just to round up. Yeah, but so like there's a lot of so options. So we have three. So I think it gets like the less, less uh, impactful players might get weeded out earlier on and, I think that may be partly due to the fact that they're always pretty, pretty solid. That's a good point about the FTC days because the Greaves family is obviously a big part of the community. Both sons played on the the gold medal winning teams. No, excuse me, they're on your brother's team, so they're they're on the bronze medal team. Yeah. Um, and I noticed Calgary like really good coaching. Your dad's still involved. Uh, Durant was here, who's a coach at Calgary University. He's coaching club, yeah. right? So yeah. it sounds like you guys are just surrounded by some great volleyball minds all the time. Yeah. Well, and we have yeah even more big names like Bruce Edwards. He helps out with that team a lot. His son's also on that team. Um, yeah, like a ton of Greg Willis-Croft is still in Calgary. Like a lot of those, call them old, not that old, <laughs> but a lot of those old players who have kids grew up in the Canuck club. So Nice. And what do you remember from your club days? So I think people in that generation will remember the year you won, you guys beat a very good Pac-Man team that had Thomas Sora, Shawan was the big gun, uh, Jordan Figuera was setting. Parveer was, was there. Parveer was there. I think Tariq played Storm that year, so there was a lot of good players yeah. in the age group. Uh, Pierce Johnson, a good Ontario guy, was at Lennon Fire with a couple other guys, uh, like Taylor Jordan and, and uh, David Dottie was setting. Like, there was a bunch of good players on a bunch of clubs. Like What do you remember from that year and how successful you guys were? Because obviously you were you were the one that everybody had their eye on during that tournament. <laughs> Well, that was my last season playing middle, so that was a big change. My first time ever playing outside was actually the national final. Second set, I said national final. Um, so that was a big, like for me personally, that was a big changing moment or turning moment, whatever you want to call it. But I think 
overall, we hadn't been challenged very much in our home province um, until the following season where we didn't win a single ABA or provincials. Wow. Fog, the fog team ended up winning nationals beat us every time. But that year, I think that was just our year. Like We all peaked. All our guys were had stopped. Most of us had stopped going, started to fill out, and we were, like, we were clicking as a team. I think your club coach at that time was Ian, right? Ian yeah. Halliday, who was a part of the national team on the sitting mm-hmm. side. I think he was a part of the program during that time. So, again, another good coach in Calgary. Uh, what went into the decision to move you to the wing from middle all year? Uh, well, I was staying in the back row, so I didn't get libero out, so I would hit the D ball, the C ball, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we just couldn't stop showing. I was the biggest guy on the court, so okay, just throw your hands up there, <laughs> try and get some sort of touches. And I like, I don't know if that's the reason we won, but it definitely helped, I think. And then I kind of fell in love with that position, and yeah, it was sweet. Nice. Uh, and you mentioned that was. That was the first time you played outside, but that was one of the last times you got to play club because you made the tough decision uh, in your true 18 year. I think you were playing up the year you won 17, right? Or was right. that your true 17? You were playing no, up. No, I was played up my U17 and my U18 year. Oh, so you did get a year of 18 year, but your true 18 year year, you actually decided to move to Gatineau. Correct. Uh, and you switched high schools, is that true? I uh, switched high schools, switched provinces, switched living situations. Yeah, kind of. Nice. So what went into that decision? Because I think at that time you were one of the, the first guys in a long time to kind of go straight from high school to the FTC. Actually, as a grade 12 student to do that, you might be the first ever. I'm not, I'm not sure. We'll have to fact check on that one. Uh, Dallas, you can do that. Um, but what went into that decision? That's a big one to kind of like you're comfortable in your high school, you're playing with your club team who's good, and you're obviously developing. What went into that to move across the country and, and kind of be the new guy at school and train as a professional athlete, essentially? Uh, a lot. A lot went into that decision. Um, I guess I should start by saying it wasn't my decision at the beginning. I didn't reach, like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go out there in my grade 12 year. So they contacted, I don't know how the chain went down, but their idea was to start uh, start training national team players at a younger age and get international exposure to younger athletes. And somehow my name got brought up, got brought up in the list of athletes. And they contacted my dad because my dad was coached by Julian, the director of volleyball Canada. And uh, they said, "Would Justin be interested?" And like, at first, I was like, "Oh, absolutely! Like, that's that's the best thing ever!" Like, obviously, I'd want to play for the national team. Uh, and then, you know, my dad and my mom sat down and kind of wrote out all the pros and cons. And you're living away from home, cooking all your meals, you like have no friends, blah blah. And I started to like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, that sounds pretty hard. All my friends are here. My brothers. That was be the first time I ever got to play with my brother. So I would be in grade 12, he would be in grade 10. So we played high school together. And he ended up playing on that club team that I missed out on. Right, right. Um, so like there was, it was a whirlwind of emotions. And I should say, we made this decision about two and a half weeks before I ended up going out there. So we were on vacation in the shoe shop in BC. And uh, every morning my parents were up early, like researching schools, bus routes, all this stuff, trying to figure everything out. And finally I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Like I need to... If I'm gonna, if I want to do something good in the sport, I need to be challenged. And I knew I was gonna be very challenged in that year of clubs. Not saying it's not good volleyball, but I knew like I wanted to challenge myself, and it'd be a cool stepping stone for me. Um, and yeah, it, it wasn't an easy decision, that's for sure. And then you mentioned school. School was. If I would do it again, I would go again, but I would do school differently, because. I definitely missed out on the social aspect of grade 12. Like I didn't go to prom or whatever you call it out here. 
mm-hmm. go to grad or prom or the banquets or I didn't have very many friends. I made a few friends with the Ottawa 67s because they were also, I went to a special school where they kind of had a flexible time schedule so you could train and go to school and do online classes and kind of all this stuff. So we were in the same boat. So I made it like, I guess we were, we were classmates, but we didn't see we were friends. Right. Right. Um, so I definitely probably try to make a harder or a better effort to, to make friends and have a social life, especially being a young kid trying to train twice a day and eat and live some sort of healthy lifestyle is pretty hard on me. So, so my brother, Matthias was just out there that this year and that was my kind of piece of advice to him was like, do something you should your own age, like other normal kids. Right. Right. So what went into like a typical day? Did you live in Gatineau and commute to Ottawa to go to school or did you live in Ottawa and commute to Gatineau to train? Like what was no, that lived, experience? Yeah, I lived in uh, Gatineau and I went to school Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday of the half day. But we had three 10 week semesters, so it was super condensed uh, semesters. And I only went to school from 8 till about 12. So I'd go to school for two hours, well, I was three, about three and a half hours, do my two classes, and then uh, come home. Well, usually I wouldn't come home actually, I'd go straight to the gym, pack lunch in the morning, work out with Dan Lewis, get some rest with Dan Lewis, because all the other guys would work out and get reps in the morning go home, nap, have lunch, and come back, and then it was everyone together doing team play mm-hmm. and all the drills and stuff like that. So I kind of do my reps and workout on my own right after school, kind of just rest in the team room for 20 minutes until everyone else came, and then do the whole. So I was doing like three, three and a half hours, four in a row, kind of with the little breaks in between, trying to catch up to everyone else after school. Nice, and you mentioned to me before the show, but do you, do you mind going over it again, uh, just who some of the people were at the center? Because there was quite a different age group, but like you were a true grade 12, and there was guys who had already graduated university, so what was that environment like? I think you mentioned Shawan was there, so there was somebody within like your age group a little bit, but uh, yeah. what were some of the older guys that were around? Yeah, well, me and Shawan and CJ Gavis were the three youngsters, I guess you can call us, um, but there were some big names like Brooks Sador, played at U of H in Hawaii, uh, Chris Vaugh, actually just... just uh, committed his retirement or whatever a few days ago. Yeah. Um, Josh McKay, uh, Casey Knight was there for a bit. Jordan Orr was there for a while. Uh, Tyler Kozlowski, uh, Jim Bell. I don't think he's playing anymore, but he had a good sports career. Um, Arthur Schwartz, he was there actually. Um, nice. So that, that's yeah. definitely a good group. So did you get the challenge you were looking for that kind of went into your decision to, to kind of move oh, this yeah. way? Like what, what stood out in your mind right away is, as somebody who was a good club player against athletes like within your age range, what changed when you were playing against like men essentially? Well, yeah, men is right. Uh, I, well, actually, funny you should mention men. Um, I remember probably my second week there, I was invited over for dinner with uh, Josh Edwards. I don't know if you know him, but I was there with Josh Edwards, Brooks Adore, and Casey Knight, and all three of them had wives and were married. I was like, this is so weird. Like, I'm in grade 12, like, marriage was such a foreign concept to me. Um, but volleyball wise, like I remember just like after this probably third day, I was like, man, I'm bad. Like I remember like a whole lot of negative thoughts running through my mind. Um, and like calling my dad after the third day and being like, I need help. Like, I don't know how to handle all this. Um, but once I kind of found my group, especially like there were so many different changes going on, like emotionally with school, physically, all that, there's just so much going on. Once I kind of found my groove and was able to kind of like 
figure out who I could latch on to. So Brooks Thoreau was a big one for me. Like he kind of took me under his wing and invited me over for dinner and helped me with my school and helped me in practice and all that. So once I kind of found my, my niche, it was really, really good for me. I, like I knew where I needed to be challenged, where I could kind of improve myself. And it was, you know, it was awesome. Yeah, that's funny that you're talking to guys who have wives and are probably think, thinking about having families and you're trying to like do math homework and English yeah. projects and stuff. I'm still, I'm still calling my mom every night. <laughs> <laughs> they are moms or dads or whatever. So. Nice, nice. So um, obviously you took those skills. What went into the decision to choose Trinity for post-secondary? I, obviously a great volleyball school and the list just came out like the alumni. and it, It's just a volleyball factory there. So what made you choose to go there? And I'm sure you had lots of options, so... Kind of walk us through what, what attracted you to that school. Well, I wanted to play post-secondary for volleyball. I've never been an extremely academic inclined sort of guy. Um, but near the end, it was between U of A, U of C, and Trinity. Like, I knew I wanted to stay Ken West. I knew I wanted to stay closer to home if I could. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just it was too attractive. Like I went on my recruiting trip, and it just it felt like I was like, man, I need to be like I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. Ben coached me on the youth team the summer before. Um, just like the small class sizes were a big one for me because I need that kind of teacher-student relationship, be able to ask questions, and it's all like every time I go to class, they know my name, they know like they come to our games. As like honestly, my biggest class size this year was just under thirty, I think, for like an introduction class. Whereas I went to a UFC one on my recruiting trip and it was like two hundred fifty, and the prof didn't even like he didn't recognize a foreign student. Like I was in grade eleven, and he didn't—he didn't care. Like he was just there to teach his lesson. But that was the big thing that drew me there was, like, they know who you are, they care about you. Uh, I'm not saying other profs don't care, but it's more of a personal connection. I really, really, or that really drew me in from an academic level, and I just felt right. And I had a lot of uh, teammate, current teammates, and previous teammates going. Like Pierre Sashenko, I played school with Maddox Grease, played club with. He went there. And then one of my best friends from like grade seven, me and Jackson have played club together since grade seven. So we both decided we're kind of, it was kind of an inside joke, we were a package deal, like wherever <laughs> you go, I go kind of thing. Nice. Um, and Jackson's twin sister, who's a grade older, which is kind of confusing, but <laughs> twin sister, grade older, but she was already there and there was just a lot of friends, a lot of people I loved and a lot of people I wanted to be around. And then the volleyball was kind of just an added bonus. Very cool. Nice. Um, so your timeline, yeah, that went FTC, then you went youth national team, and then did you play Canada Games as well? Did you go back to the provincial team after you'd been with FTC? Uh, youth national team was before FTC. Okay. So I went, I went actually youth, youth, FTC, junior, Canada Games, Trinity. Wow. And still mixed in some beach in between when you had a chance there. That, one that was right before FTC, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you got to work with some great coaches. Like that was your first experience with Ben Josephson. Um, who were some of the guys you got to play with on, on the youth national team? And what stood out from that experience? Because they kind of brought it back kind of right around your age group. I think the youth team had kind of gone away, right? It, and then it they, wasn't a thing until yeah. my U17 year of Team Alberta. So I guess I would have been 10. Or I, was playing, I, was, I was a year younger. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and that was the year we came second, actually. We lost to Shawan and that Team Ontario. Um, that, would be, that would be a huge tournament for us. Like, us U17s placing better than our U18 team. Mm -hmm. um, what, oh, it was such a long because it was best of five. It was my first experience of best of five. I thought this was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but, 
Well, and even actually to add on to that, looking back at this Nationals, trying to play more than one game a day is beyond comprehension. Like, my body hurts just watching these guys try and get up off the bench after a timeout. Like, it's insane. It'd be funny to talk to Aaron. He's probably like, yeah, that's what you do. You play three or four matches a day. Where, like, <laughs> once you leave the system, you talk to university players, like, no, one, maybe two, if it's like a preseason tournament and you know you're not going to play both full games. But, yeah, yeah as soon as you're a grizzled old bet, it's like, no, one, best of five, and then we're out of here. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> Even, like, sometimes I don't want to do morning practice before, like, games. <laughs> like, man, I can't be doing this right now. Um... Sorry, what was your... Uh, I was just talking about your experience. So, to get selected to the youth national team, I think you represented your provincial team and you yeah. go to the Canada Cup, right? Yeah. Uh, and then are you selected right after and you go right into training camp for youth, or is there a bit of a break? So, that year, my first year, and the first year they had that youth national team after a while, was NTCC, so the Canada Cup, oh, okay, yeah. in Edmonton at the Go Centre. And, yeah, I guess there was my Ben, Joe, Kerry McDonald. was Kerry? Could have been, yeah. Ooh, I feel bad if I don't know that. <laughs> I think it was Kerry. And Mark Dodds. Okay. It was Kerry. It was, uh, yeah, 95% sure. Um, and they were our coaches, and they watched the whole tournament and then selected a group of 12 guys. And then, so that was my first exposure to Ben. Uh, and then we trained. It was a quick turnaround. I think we trained for three days. Then you go to Florida and play a competition? No, or? the first one was in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, nice. And then the second year we went to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And was the, how'd you guys do, how would, because you're playing against U.S. club teams or did they also put together some like regional all-stars or did they have they a U.S. Had their, team? They or? had their, their high performance thing, which I think was similar to a youth team, okay. kind of. They had two high performance, and that was, my, that was the first time I ever met um, like Mike Ma, UCLA, and Josh Tunis. Tuna Niniga, or however you say his last name, uh, from Long Beach. Like, yep. all those guys were there, and, like, that was the first time, like, man, like, floodball's way better than I thought of it. I didn't watch any YouTube or anything until, like, I didn't even know what CIS was at that point. Um, and I think I, I think I played, like, two and a half sets in total. Um, and I just loved all of it. Like, getting my first Canada jersey, like, and I was the youngest on that team as well. Um, I, I was, it was awesome. It was super cool. So because you weren't a big Can West guy or a U Sports guy, like, did you know of Ben Josephson and all the medals they'd won? Or you were just a guy going to practice ready to learn? Or were you kind of starstruck about, like, having him carry and, uh, excuse me, he's from SAS, right? The third Mark, Mark, Mark Dunn. Like, that's a pretty good coaching staff. But if you if you weren't influenced by what those guys have done coaching at the university level, I'm sure you were just a great 10 ready to go to practice and get better, right? Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> I knew who Kerry was because he was living in Calgary at the time. Oh, he, he wasn't at UC yet, yeah. Or the BCC oh, okay. in the mornings before school. So I was doing that, and he was my first coach. Um, but I still didn't know what he had accomplished and who he was and stuff like that. Uh, I, like, and I remember someone saying, like, oh, you see, Mark Dodds, like, you, you remind me a lot of like him. I was like, I don't know, he seems old, I don't know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, but then I remember, like, once I made the team, we watched old videos of Mark playing against Jiba and stuff. I was like, whoa, like, that's so cool. That's the first time I met Jiba, like, or not met. First time I was made known of Jiba. Yeah. Like, that was a big volleyball summer for me, like realizing that there was more than just U18 and then you're done. Did you always kind of have goals of playing at the next level and being a national team guy, or was that the first summer where I clicked to, like, this is really attainable? I always wanted to be a national team guy, um, but only because my dad played for the national team, and I just knew he did it. I wanted to do it because I thought it was cool. <laughs> I didn't really know what the steps were to take there and what it meant to actually represent your country and how many different ways you could do that. Um, 
not even a pro was a thing. Like, I mean, now I watch hours of YouTube, different teams, and, right. and improve you and all that. But back then, like, I don't know, I was just nothing. I was just playing, living the, I living the dream of what I thought I was doing. <laughs> nice. So yeah, glad we could follow that timeline all the all the way through there. So. Let's get to Trinity because you started as a first year in a program that was already like very competitive, right? Uh, and you guys were very young. Was Eric Lupecki there and also starting? Like you guys were young, young yeah. on the outside. Eric Lupecki right? was in his second year. That was my first. Uh, and then Jackson Howe also started. He was in his first. So we're not the same age, but same grade. Um, but it was, I like, we did well, but it was also due to injuries, which was unfortunate. So Aaron Betcher, who was our fifth year middle this year, was injured, so Jackson got that starting spot. Um, and then me and Ben Lewin, um, we alternated Friday, Saturday, all first semester. because there was no clear starter, and then he had some health issues again, and I ended up taking over in the second semester all the way through Nationals. Um, but that was probably one of the most um, learn or yeah, most lesson-filled years of my life, not just volleyball, but lessons from volleyball about leadership and how to be a teammate and how to balance different life skills and different kind of things going on. And then throwing in starting, which kind of made it that much better. Um, so you had already taken some life skills from your choice to go to Gatineau, right? Because you had to cook your own meals and obviously be on time and be in charge of your schedule. Like your parents were there to take you to school if you didn't want to go and all that. Yeah. Um, Actually, <laughs> funny you should say that. When, when I, because uh, I was still underage when I was there. So every time I was late for school, my dad would get an email saying like, your son Jesse Elster is not in school. And, but I mean, it didn't happen very often. But one time my car broke down, so I had to take the shop, so I had to take the bus to school. And because I'm going from Gatineau to Ottawa, I had to wake up whatever, 5.30 or 5.45 to make all my breakfast and make it on time. And I fell asleep on the bus and I woke up like half an hour past my stop, like three missed calls from my dad, like, where are you? Like, what's going on? And I woke up, I asked the bus driver, like, hey, like, how far are we from this stop? He's like, mm, half an hour ago. I'm like, what? So I didn't go to school that day, <laughs> completely missed my stop, went back, I was stupid, I don't want to go to school. <laughs> Nice. Those are, but other than that, there was no parental influences in that scenario. That's an experience that not many grade 12s can have, right? So you're definitely on your own, and that's that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, so can you give an example of kind of those skills that either Benjo or the coaching staff or even the vets at Trinity kind of build in? Like, how do they, what does leadership look like at Trinity, and how do they kind of really instill it in the first years? Yeah, well, I feel like we're very, like, we're, we're men brothers, in that sense, like we, are, we, everyone has each other's backs. Everyone has their role. Everyone kind of fits. Everyone's their own puzzle, or other, everyone's a piece in the puzzle. And, um, but I think everyone kind of brings something special. So, some guy I really thought his name was Jordan Kozlowski. So I played with his brother at the FCC, Tyler. Um, but he was very good at balancing school and volleyball, and he started his own nonprofit organization for. Um, refugees from Syria and he does all these things like he's just one of the best guys I've ever met but he was some guy that I really helped like hey like I have this and this and this in school and this class wants me to do this and this teacher wants me to format my paper in this way and I have no idea how to do that and he's like oh like send it to me I'll do it for you like everyone's super helpful super willing to share what they've learned um, and 
but and that's like totally excluding volleyball. And guys like Adam or Carter, so who were the older guys when I was my first year, like they'd always invite you over to dinner because I was staying on dorms. So they said, "Hey, like come over for dinner, like just catch up, how are you doing?" And I don't know if that was the, like because I was a starter because I know they didn't do that with other first years, um, but I was super helpful for me. And yeah, so yeah, I think in a nutshell, everyone is willing to give and serve each other. Nice, nice. And um, how do guys flip that switch where it's like a brotherhood, but when you get on the court, like some of the most intense practices in the country where, not, not to pump the tires, but I'm sure there was times where scrimmage was probably better than some of the matches you guys played because you were just so deep, right? Like, uh, how, did, how did you guys do that where you could just be at each other's throats and practice and then go back to the brotherhood thing as, as soon as it was done? Well, yeah, there was always times where it didn't it last <laughs> it lasted a few days. <laughs> Especially like me and Jackson were usually on opposite sides, and we were roommates in dorms. And there was times where we wouldn't talk that night, but I I don't know. I think it's just part of being being a high level athlete and holding yourself and others to that standard. That's kind of like an un, an unspoken truth where, like, just because he roofed you four times, like, and yelled in your face doesn't mean he hates you. I, like, I don't know. I think it's just a maturity thing, and we do have a very mature team. In that sense, um, I, don't, I don't know if there's a, like an actual certain thing or a way we teach it. I think it's just a, I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know. Nice. No, those, those are definitely some good things you listed. Um, for a guy who's not in the Can West, what Ontario usually envies is we might play a team, I don't know, Friday in November, and we don't play them again until January, February, the next semester, where Can West does it really well, where it's double headers, right? And, and your game plan Friday night might not stick Saturday because they're watching tape and they're, and they're changing it. Uh, what did you enjoy about that atmosphere, and how well did the coaching staff at Trinity really prepare you guys that you could beat a team back-to-back, really, and, and they're adjusting and you're adjusting? Like, what goes into that kind of preparation? I think a lot of it is like directly from Benjo. Like he knows exactly who's coming at us. He knows he watches our video, makes the game plan for us, and then it's like, okay, if I were them, I'd play us this way, and then we adjust accordingly, kind of thing. So we're very good at. You know, we're usually very good at kind of playing out the game plan, but the game plan is straight from him, straight from he. Like he never sleeps on road trips. He'll stay up all night watching game tape and making little adjustments and stuff. Um, and lots of people don't know how much goes into those double headers because it is it is really hard trying to beat a game, especially on the road. Trying to beat two or trying to beat the same team two nights in a row in their home gym is very hard. Um, but like what you see is us jumping high, hitting hard, all that stuff. But like we're we're in the places that Ben Joe tells us to be. We're blocking the people in this place and this time and all that. And that's all that's all Ben Joe. What do you remember from that year? Because you guys were successful. I think you won against UBC to win the league, uh, but then ended up playing them in the final. Or excuse me, played UBA. So UBC yeah. wasn't even in the final of your own conference and goes on to win a national championship. Yeah. I think that's a credit to how strong your conference is. So, uh, do you remember what Can West playoffs were like? Like, who was your semifinal? Uh, quarters was TRU, then Winnipeg Westman, and then UBA. So UBA would have beat UBC to get there, right? Correct. So what's that like? Because uh, I know you played them twice during the regular season, the back-to-back, but then when it's it's one game in the playoffs, right? And it's... Uh, finals is one game. Oh, excuse Quarters me. Quarters okay. and semis is best of three. 
Nice. So I, again, another layer to this. So kind of what goes into that that format of trying to beat somebody two out of three? Like, well, well, everyone. So by this time, both me and Jackson were starting, and everyone was like, "Oh, like playoffs is just a different feel, man. Like it's just different." Like, I don't know. I, like no one knew how to explain it, but they all just said, "Like, be prepared." I was like, yeah, whatever. Like it's just another game. <laughs> and our first game against TRU, both me and Jackson played absolutely like so bad, like I prepared the same, I ate the same thing, like did all my routines and all that, and just awful. And, and then I remember just saying after like, bed help, like I have no idea what just happened. And um, so then we sat down and we kind of figured out like it is, there, there's no really way to describe it, it's just a thing that happens, like playoffs just gives you a different feel. Um, so then that was, that was actually one of the biggest learning moments of my career is we talked about anchors, so it's kind of something that you do or say or look at or maybe um, think in between every play to kind of reset yourself and kind of re recenter yourself in the moment. Because in place there's just so many different things running through your head, like oh, like if they win, we'll have to do this, we'll have to play to three, and then the other team doesn't have to travel as far, and all this stuff. How many stats won't be as good as Eric's and all that? There's just so many thoughts, especially as a first year, like you're constantly thinking. Um, so we kind of had these anchors that would recenter yourself in the moment, and mine was ask a question or give a compliment. So kind of externalize your, not ex oh yeah, I guess externalize your focus so that you're no longer thinking. So I, sometimes I'd even give myself a compliment, like, man, just a nice pass, you know, like just something I do between every point to refocus myself and re. I'd, I'd almost say it was just more like a routine. Like you do a routine before you serve, you do a routine before the game, like a routine before bed. And so I try and do a routine before every point so it's kind of a fresh start. Um, and I, that was like, I think I had a pretty good playoff run after that. And that stuck with me ever since. Yeah, was that something that the coaching staff brought to your attention or was that passed on from the vets? Like how did you guys was, kind of discover this? Uh, we talked about it as a team, but not as much detail. And then after that, that first game against TRU, Coach us down and said, like, I think you guys should try this. Kind of gave us some examples of how to do it, how it worked. He said, just tomorrow, tell me what it's going to be. Like, I won't ask you why. I won't ask you how you came up with it. And uh, so Jack, I hope, I hope Jack doesn't mind me sharing this. But his was, uh, like, a double a double pat on his leg with his fist. Because when we used to play club against each other, we always play middle, middle, middle v middle. And uh, whenever someone do come good, they double tap our chest, kind of, like, <laughs> show who's boss, a little King Kong kind of thing. And I was kind of just to remember him, like, how far he's come and how far, how hard he's worked to get where he was and stuff like that. So everyone kind of has their own little variation of what they think or how they want to recenter themselves. But after that, we actually then asked me Jackson to share to the team and said, like, I think you guys should try your own thing. And so, yeah. Nice, nice. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so, you, so you're on this path. I mean, you do well in club volleyball. You, you make the decision to go to FTC. You do well with the youth national team. You're starting in your first year, and then injury hits. And what does that do to your confidence, to your identity? Like you're you're an athlete who's getting better every year, every time you play. It seems like, and then all of a sudden you're you're on the sidelines. You you can't participate anymore. Like, what was it like going through that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Um, yeah. First of all, it was very tough. Like, that was definitely one of the biggest challenges I've had to go through in my life. I, like, I've had a pretty easy life in Canada, playing sport I love and all that. But, um, yeah, I, 
guess the first thing was I had no idea what to do with my life. Like there was a point where I couldn't get out of bed, so I couldn't go to practice. And watching volleyball just made me sad. And then I had not watched volleyball, and I was sad that I wasn't watching volleyball. I was sad that it was just a kind of a downward spiral. Um, but I've always been a pretty like hopeful guy. And that was the first time in my life where I was not like, no, I'm not I'm never playing again. I'm never doing this. Like, like how am I supposed to do this so I can't get up off, up off the toilet kind of thing? Um, so that kind of took a turn for the worst. I started seeing a counselor. Started well. Also, I had mono right before I had my surgery. So, like my health, I had like physical health issues and mental health issues. I lost a bunch of weight and like I wasn't eating much and stuff like that. Um, and I started seeing a counselor and started working through some things like identity, like you said, and having a purpose. And like, long story short, I figured like it wasn't the actual volleyball I missed; it was what volleyball gave me, like the the tea, like the sense of team and working towards a common goal and the like the, and the human interactions was a big one for me. And at the time in school, I was in media and communications. And I love the communications part. Like I had like interfamiliar communications classes and public speaking classes and all that. Uh, but I hated like I hated sitting behind a computer and designing business cards or whatever. So like after a lot of thinking and stuff, I actually turned into education. So my major is now education. I love it. Like I absolutely love it because it gives me all the things volleyball gives, just without the uh, the physical side of things. So it gives me like the common. Everyone's working towards a common goal. Like. The teachers are working to a common goal. Me and the students are all working to a common goal. Like, you get that personal or the face-to-face communication every day. Like, you get to build relationships with the kids. And, like, I think that was the biggest thing for me is, like, I'm a very relational guy. And, like, I'd see 90% of my friends are volleyball players. And when I couldn't be there, like, I was lonely. Like, I had no one there. So that was probably the toughest part. And then I still couldn't play the second semester, but I was in education and Matt gave, like, had my first practicum. So I was in a grade 10 gym class and like I played lacrosse with them and like I was getting my exercise. Like, it was awesome. It was, so it was right after the second semester was when everything kind of turned towards the better, which was awesome. But going back to the first semester, um, after one of the, the sessions with my counselor, um, I'd only go to about two practices a week. I kind of just sit there and mope around and feel sorry for myself. And then I was like, okay, well, I need to do something. Well, it was my idea. But it was my counselor's idea. But, like, I need to do something that I did last year. So I need to either give a compliment or ask a question. So I went around. And I made, a, like, a point of talking to every guy on the team and giving them the compliment or asking the question. And once I did that, like, I felt free to leave. It felt like I did my, my duty to the team. Like, I helped out. So that was kind of my way of getting back into things. Like, it wasn't physical at all, but I felt like I was part of the team again, which is something I really, really needed, I guess. That That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Because like you said, it, it's a physical injury, but it affects your mental health. And you were able to kind of turn that. And now you're on a different career path. You're able to kind of be a leader on the team, even though you weren't you weren't getting kills. You weren't getting blocks. You still felt involved in the game. Well, that's, actually, that's awesome. the national final on the stat sheet says I have one kill. Ooh, so, there you go. Hitting 1,000. <laughs> Awesome. We won't yeah. crack the stats. We'll keep that forever yeah, and ever. I, I hope so. <laughs> um, so now you're healthy. I think you told me you're on a jump count, but you can jump. You're back into it. Like, and you're you're going to Gatineau this week. You're you're switching over to the lib, but it sounds like you're you're ready to go. What are you excited about this week? I well, I'm just excited to see everyone. Honestly, like I went to Gatineau just before youth nationals, and like saw a bunch of old teammates, a bunch of friends, and I just loved it. Like 
even just like not playing, I just love being around the volleyball community and like all the people in the volleyball community are so nice and so like, oh, how's your back? How's this? Everyone knows everything. It's just, it's just like a big family, which is awesome. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm like pretty nervous. Like, this is like the first time in my life where I'm like not entirely sure I'm going to make a team, which is something new to me. But I like, I mean, it's a new position, a new adventure. And I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm not going to make it. I'm just nervous because I'm uncertain. There's an unknown to it, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I, I, the other I make it, I think it's a win-win. Like I make it, I get to train my passing and defense or I don't come home and lift all summer and get in shape and all that. Not that I won't get in shape out here, but either way, I think, I think it'll be a good summer for me. And the plan is for you to play outside hitter again at Trinity next year, right? Like you'll be back in kind of your, your regular position. Yeah. Or... Well, I was, I was assuming the summer goes well and my recovery continues to increase or like as increase at the same pace. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I, we've taken a lot of your time. One thing I do want to cover for for anyone who has siblings in the sport, I do want to talk about growing up with uh, Aaron and Matias and just everything they've done. Because obviously, uh, uh, Matias just won a medal at the international level, and he's yeah. been at FTC, and, and Aaron winning a medal at the 16U level. Uh, did you guys play a lot of sports growing up? Did you play volleyball in the backyard? Like, what's what's going on? You got three boys who are obviously very good at volleyball, and your dad's involved, and I'm sure you're. Your mom is involved in sports somehow, some way, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was the family dynamic growing up to just have all these athletes coming through? Well, both my parents played volleyball. Oh, sorry, I didn't know that about your mother yeah, at all. Yeah. yeah, my mom played at UBC. Uh, my dad played at UFC. Uh, and then go to national team and played in Milan. Um, but I think the biggest thing was we never, we still don't, we never had a TV growing up. So, like, there was no time spent on the couch. We had had a ball bin in the basement and a ball bin in the garage and we lived outside like a big park and in the winter there was an ice hockey rink and we built forts and there was kind of circles we'd ride bikes around there and build bike tracks and we lived by the Glenmore Reservoir in Calgary so we'd go biking around there and we'd go running and play soccer in the field there was baseball down behind our house so I think it was partly due to the no TV thing and the physical parents but like just we were like right in the heart of sports central kind of we were always playing, always doing something like that. Yeah. Nice. And and how did both of them are setters? Is that true? And you mm. ended up being hitter? No. No, Aaron's a middle. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I must have been watching that. Right. Okay, so how does one end up as a setter and both are just bangers? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually. Um, all three of us went through Rod Walsh. That's another big name out of Calgary. Uh, Rod Walsh's setter training kind of thing. Just kind of. Why not? More volleyball touches. Um, and Tia stuck with it. But, like, it definitely, like, you can tell when you watch Aaron, it definitely helped him with his overall volleyball knowledge and ball control and stuff. And I think it helps me, too. Like, when I was in middle, I was still, when there was an old barrel, 15, 16, I could still pass and set the ball and play defense. Um, and I guess, well, Matias actually always ended up filling holes in the teams he was on. So his club teams, like, they didn't have a libero, so we played libero. They needed the left side the next year, so we played left side. And he actually only set one year in club um, until FTC was his first full year as a setter. Um, and Aaron was just huge. Like he's, <laughs> I stopped losing wrestling matches a long time ago, um, but he's like 6'6", 220, he's 15 years old. So I think he got stuck in the middle, but his ball control is also awesome. So I'm actually... I. I shouldn't say I highly doubt, but I 
fairly certain he won't end up in the middle as he gets older, but I it could be wrong. But I don't know how or what happened. No, I mean, it's like same with me too. Like I ended up being in a right side position because of something like I needed. To, there was a hole to fill, so I don't, I, I don't know. No, that's great. I think that's great for any of our fans listening to be like, how are we going to have a family full of volleyball players? Well, just don't have a TV. That sounds like a simple fix. Like mm-hmm. video games, I guess, weren't a thing either. Like you guys never got hooked on that. Like no. just and we'd always go over to friends' houses because they had a Wii or whatever, and thought it was the coolest thing ever. But still, like, we'd come home. Like, we had we so. In my first house, we had a rock climbing wall in our basement. (laughs) And then in our second house, we had a thing called the pit. So my dad put chicken wire over the the windows. And he put really small light bulbs in the the light sockets, or whatever the heck you call them. Um, So we would kick balls. We had like a mini mini sticks hockey net on the wall. And we played volleyball down there. And there was always a place for us to play. There was always some sort of ball or sporting equipment within arm's reach so nice was that the spot for the neighborhood kids like everybody would just come over to your house and be active in some sort of way like yeah yeah nice had fun. nice uh i think that's awesome thank you so much for taking the time to do this i know you're you're busy weekend of watching volleyball so you must be a little drained from that and then uh, you guys have the big road trip to Gatineau tomorrow and sounds exciting and i wish you the the best of luck with everything you got forward i can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this really thank appreciate you. it thank you awesome thank you Friends of the show, this is Passing Dime's first pledge drive. We're not asking you to telephone, we're asking you to tell a friend. We gotta spread the message about what Passing Dime's is all about. What do you like? We know what you like. You like podcasts. You like volleyball. You like friendship. Guess what? That's Passing Dime's. If you like what you've heard today and uh, you like other episodes, be sure to subscribe to us on Podbeam, Apple Play, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and... uh, Be sure to click our link to our Instagram page to check out snippets from the show and uh, subscribe on Podbeam. Be sure to give us a FIV five-star major review thing. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five-star major.